Welcome to the Marketing for Startups podcast. If you're trying to figure out marketing for your startup, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, we go high level, looking at the intersection of branding, data, and leadership to offer you a marketing playbook to grow and scale. Join me each week for in-depth interviews, tactical advice, and practical trainings. Hi, I'm your host, Victoria Hajar, veteran marketer and startup enthusiast. I promise to bring my experience and curiosity to each episode. Then together, we'll peel back the onion on this ever-changing discipline that is marketing. I'm so happy you're here. Let's dive in. Today, you are in for a treat. I am sharing my conversation with Linda Andrews, who is a dear, dear friend of mine and my business BFF and also happens to be the founder at Leela Life. Uh, Linda is an integrated coach herself and Leela Life is a platform that offers integrating coaching memberships ranging from on-demand content all the way to one-on-one coaching. So with Linda, we talk about entrepreneurship, her transformation from, you know, being in finance in New York and, you know, sort of leaving that whole life behind to pursue a life of, of wellness and building this company, Leela Life, from the ground up. All of the struggles, she's so candid in all of the experiences that she's had. There's so much to learn from her and everything she's been through. And we just love talking to each other. And I hope that you'll hear that through your earbuds. Um, But yeah, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I had um, experiencing it. So enjoy. Linda, hello. I'm so happy you're here. Um, Let's just go ahead and start with a little bit of context. Introduce yourself and your business and all of that good stuff. Awesome. Thank you, Victoria. It's so good to be here. And uh, My name is Linda Andrews, everyone. Hello, nice to meet you. I am the CEO, founder, and integrative coach with Leela Life, and we are a integrative well-being club that has different levels of membership, and you may be wondering what the heck that is. And so through the coaching and the integrative coaching is this process called integrative coaching, which is this nexus point of prosperity, well-being and consciousness tools and practices to help you in life and business, which I've coined the Leela way. And there's a specific process that we do that. Uh, if you want the cliff note version, it's heal, be, and create. And so you're looking, you know, these are not mutually exclusive. Is there any healing work you have to do? Is there any being work, right? We live in this distraction time and age. Are you being fully present in this now moment? And what are you creating? whether in your life, with your family, in your business, in your work life, in creative projects. And uh, the coaching process really focuses around helping people get to their next level and really from this whole person, whole being perspective. So that's a snapshot, but I can go into it all. Oh, there's, so. <laughs> so, there's so much to dig in because I would love for you to share today, uh, like uh, your journey. So I think like the the context here, which I like, which I I've came to this realization. I think you're my business BFF, and we've been on this journey together for years. Now alive, yeah. and and I just like, and I love our conversations, and I think that our businesses has paralleled in a lot of ways, and so I think like we've both learned a lot of great lessons. But I've been like at the sidecar almost like of you really changing and growing and trying different things and moments of joy and moments of frustration. 
So before we get into all that good stuff, I would love for you to set the stage of like where you were in New York, mm-hmm. finance job, the light bulb moment, right? So kind of how you got from there to where you are now. Absolutely. You know, I was in Morgan Stanley in New York City as a financial advisor and that was back in 2011 and uh, I was with them for seven years and I was in wealth management, I was in management and really getting into impact investing, really like seeing the future of finance and how the firm was representative of one specific type of person and how there could be, you know, more of a reach as, as there's wealth transfers going on specifically to women and millennials and uh, just being curious about that and all at that same time, I'm going through this healing journey with myself that is probably 15 podcast episodes later. (laughs) Uh, So I'll keep focus here. And, you know, I was a swimmer in college. So performance came first nature, but it was always at the trade-off of truly well-being. It was like at all cost performance, which I think we know a lot more now for sports performance of how to really take care of yourself and enhance performance. But at the time it was very much a trade-off. And so some of those same trade-offs were happening in my twenties and I was losing myself and I could just feel this. And there was this moment in New York, I was getting asked to, you know, join up with some different teams, but I could feel myself spiraling. And for me, like I never really had I had some spirals, but they weren't like the worst spirals they could have been because I could catch myself. And so at that moment, I was like, I got to get out of here. And I moved like within two weeks back to Florida from New Jersey. I was working in the city. And uh, so it was like starting like that was, I think, the start of starting more of a, I would say, more attuned journey with myself, starting meditation you know, starting to incorporate more plants into my foods, into my eating, starting to do some meditation. And then that's this like inside voice, like something's not right here. (laughs) Like, hi. And when I took that job in finance, I remember saying I sold my soul to finance. And that was before I was really on any kind of path. And I, but I distinctly remember thinking that, but the follow-up thought was, well, that's okay. Like, at least I can learn about finance. I literally didn't know what a stock or a bond was. You know, the series seven was crazy for me. And uh, I just thought, how many women can I help because of this? Mm-hmm. So as I was closing out my time at Morgan Stanley, like the last three years, the client work that I was doing, I was starting to create basically a program called Wealth Expanded and test it out with my clients. Like, more of the money psychology and connecting like who you are with how you're spending. And what I noticed so much with the money is people have major avoidance tendencies and there's lots of programming and stories around money that are so powerful. And uh, it's like, get intimate with your money. That'll save most of the issues. And I went on a financial journey to have six figures worth of debt and just have real challenges going through that while starting the business, you know, taking out my retirement. It was so much chaos, but I could see these patterns and cycles of chaos that had been with me for much of my life. Like, why wouldn't they be expressing in my business? Why wouldn't they be expressing in my financial life? And so it's a lot of really hard growth and reality checks and the willingness to do the work. And I can see and feel that now in my coaching. And as I'm building the business, it's like, I'm getting my hands dirty every day because I've been able to look at the quote unquote worst parts of myself and do the work and like love myself, you know, heal myself, find myself during that process. And 
you know, I certainly infuse that into the business. So that's a pretty straight line of a story of how I got here. But I will say, you know, I was transitioning from finance into coaching and well-being as a passion of well-being and just so curious of like, what's possible for people? Like, how can we mitigate stress? How can we heal from trauma? What can like energizing, fulfilled life feel like? Asking that question even just for myself, going from fitness and food addictions and eating disorders and depression, bulimia, like a really tough time into then like what's possible and, and then accessing what's possible. Oh my God, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So that was this like opening into coaching and I did so many different trainings and certifications. I was part of the major debt issue, which is probably a whole other podcast about <laughs> some criticisms of the coaching industry. Uh, but I am willing to take ownership and just see where I wasn't connected to myself and how all my decisions were based with what I just say, like distortions and dysfunction. And so it's undoing a lot of that and then keeping things really simple, you know, and that intimacy with yourself then translates into your business and into your money. And it's like, looking at it, it's a lot like gardening. I love soil. It's like, you, you know, <laughs> just plug for soil. What up soil? But you're saying, no, you're cultivating things, but if you're just neglecting and um, avoiding, like that's not tending to, and just that shift from neglect and avoiding into tending that's a huge energetic shift that transforms everything. And so I can get into so many specifics, but I was leaving Morgan Stanley to start at a big coaching firm, didn't get hired and literally like still stuck to my date of 9, 17, 2018, right. you know, but without, without a real plan, like the plan, like that, like, because I didn't get hired, that was sort of the end of the plan. And then, you know, that specific chunk of time from then till now uh, was was like horrifying, like so hard, so much, and and the best times of my life, right? I get married, you know, all these things, some epic travel, uh, but it, a lot of inner work and a lot of outer work. And uh, I just had the honor that date. It was like, I finally, I feel like I wanted to quit as soon as I started. And I finally had a date. I was waiting seven years for that date. Mm -hmm. And I burned my, my, my other boats, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the bridges, the boats and the bridges burned it all. And, uh, and then here we are. So, yeah. That's... yeah so, I, and I think like the word that resonates a lot with what you just said is the word cultivate. So mm -hmm. I think that like for so many founders and for me too, I can remember like the first book that tipped me off to like growth and development sort of mindset work was the first one I picked up was how to be a badass but it completely it was so great because it was so kind of like light and so but it was so it was so parallel with my journey my like entrepreneur journey and what I think has been really special with our relationship is sort of I think that we've been cultivating together what what our businesses could be mm -hmm. they, I mean listen it's now been like three years I know it's crazy and I can see like we've definitely gone through such things like you know you know restructuring you know team closing closing like reopening getting distracted <laughs> by shiny objects so I would love to, I think that's a topic that not a lot of people talk about. I think it's, we're in kind of a unique space because we have that kind of 10% edge for other founders that I think are maybe sort of in the beginning of those stages. 
talk to me about how, like from leaving Morgan Stanley, you know, you're, you are such a kind of intelligent, savvy person in general, right? But obviously no one knows how to build a business. So talk about like, what were some of the first steps that you took? Oh right. gosh. Well, so it's even sort of funny because my business I had opened like on the side back in 2013. Okay. And so that was like the initial business structure. And I was coaching on the side and running different events, meal, like supper clubs, um, fitness things, very on the side. Like if I made more than two thousand dollars in a year, maybe five thousand was the most okay. during that time. Yeah. And uh, but so like you asked that question, it's like, oh, I already had the business set up. Yeah. So that so now what's next? Like I had the business banking. It was like yeah. I could sort of slide into this. And um, I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm gonna get my DBA because it used to be called Loca Fit Club. And those oh, were wow. That's yeah. That's <laughs> I was a uh, low impact, high intensity workouts. I was literally running a boot camp for a while. Yeah, I didn't know this side. Yeah, and I was teaching yoga and I had made up my own kind of yoga. And um, and bef- I think it must have been after that. So I had two DBAs. The first was vitamin Linda. And so I'm vitamin Linda. And I also have this L, the L is like love. Yeah. And also my name's Linda. Yeah. And so I get the DBA Leela life and Leela means divine play in Sanskrit. And that really resonated. And I was really tired of being vitamin Linda. People would start to call me that. Yeah. And then I start to feel kind of weird. Like, yeah. hey, vitamin <laughs> Linda. And I'm like, all I can think is you swallowing me. Anyway, so I end up with Lila Life as my DBA and it's literally that like now what? And so I have no idea. So the first thing I do is spend about $15,000, no, like $500 on a six week coaching program. I was going from West Palm to Miami and it was sort of like you pick one project and get support over the project. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you what the project was. And uh, like, I, I don't know, I think I thought like, oh, at the end of six weeks, like, I'll be just making six figures. <laughs> like, <laughs> duh, you know? And so there was these just crazy like expectations. Yep. And at that time in the coaching space, and I had already done some coaching programs before this, but nothing really to like cultivate and grow my business yet. And it was still like, what is my business? So then I'm like, okay, I have to like get my branding right. So that's the $15,000 to go through this program. It was a really challenging experience. I didn't end up going with the branding and, you know, it was um, a learning opportunity. And from that time until like, that was 2018, 2019, like I got engaged and we went to Bali for a month. Like I'm still, you know, growing my business, but it was just distractions everywhere. And, you know, as much as I was like a secret, I was like really hid my finance identity. I had people that knew me in finance and people that knew me in wellness. And like when people would find out about the other, they couldn't believe it. They like really couldn't believe it. And so I was mourning not only like the loss of the finance, Linda, but just even the separation of that and like merging these things, you know, there's a major identity crisis and a lot of depression So 2019 was moving through that, starting to get the business going a little bit more. Uh, You know, I I don't know how, I don't know how much I did that year, but not much, you know, maybe 10K, but that it was a short year. And um, yeah, I just, I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And so then it's like starting, like 
and some of these decisions were such setbacks, like the, the mind drama of the loss of that money, the energy I spent in like mourning and grieving that experience, you know, it's just, I was so afraid of being successful, of having things work. And there was just so much work. I was starting to realize that I hadn't done on myself that I was going to have to start doing and like leaving Morgan Stanley, all the issues I had there, I still had. And coming to terms with all of that, and it's like, oh, the same parts of sales that I didn't love there, like I still don't love, you know, but now it's all on me. So I was having a lot of trouble navigating that. And then, and like I wasn't the best wedding planner, it was a very stressful experience for me. And uh, it was like extremely distracting. But what I learned is like I needed the distractions because I was so afraid of the success. So like any distraction I would take. And then for the following couple of years, I really had to face that and get real with that. And I, I would say just started coming out of that last year and I feel like a new human, but it was like this painstaking internal work of all the resistance. And uh, yeah, like how did I start my business? I had it and I figured things out by like having other people solve my problems. And I spent a lot of money paying other people to like do things that I thought would make the business good that weren't important at that time. Like I needed to just talk to people. I want, I want to dig into that because this is the conversation I think I, I really what I want to have with you because we all go on this journey. And like, I, I also have a similar story where when you first start out, I remember I got myself quickly into a program that I was not ready for. I was not qualified for. They literally should have said, lady, come back to us when you have product market fit, paying customers with this idea. And I shelled out $7,000. And, you know, it was like a group coaching program and all these things. And I, I can't, I can't regret it, but in, in the moment it was so hard. And I was so like, you expect that at the end of those programs that you have that that's that million dollar business, right? And, <laughs> or at least six figures. <laughs> right. Or at least, right. And I think that let's talk a little bit about the idea of not, there's really no one else that can solve your problems. That's the really good message. Like not that you have to do everything yourself in your business. Right. But what are you speaking of? You're not saying that yeah. you need to be the accountant and you need to be the, <laughs> no, but you know, yeah. You have to understand, you have to understand what it is that you're even looking at so that you can, if you are going to outsource, communicate what you're outsourcing. And so I know if you're listening to this, you've probably, if you're anything like me, had a VA that you hire and then you're literally onboarding for weeks without knowing what you're even needing. Right, and right. then you spend all this money and then you're like, oh, I can't afford my VA. And yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. what did I just do? So like for me, that reality is number one, slowing things down and being able to take things one step at a time, get really clear on the goals and the priorities to support those goals, be close to those, be close to your numbers, the knowing your numbers. And so you're making these decisions from this really empowered, I need this next versus like what the outside world's telling you you need because there's the perfect algorithms to tell you what you need and then getting swept up in that. I mean, it was a month before our wedding and I signed up for a program. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the different programs you've done and oh, what you've learned from them. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway is that you might not need a program right away. If yeah. you don't, you need to know exactly why you're getting that program. and. 
one of the programs I'm thinking of specifically, the copy was so good. I was crying, <laughs> literally crying from a Facebook ad. And I'm like, it's a sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like signing up. So, you know, they're looking back a lot of sales, like through their own sales funnels and sales process. Uh, there was this one program that I really like, and I'm blanking on her name right now. Oh, Stacey, Stacey Bowman. It's called 2K for 2K. And it's a $2,000 investment. And it's a like coaching kind of coaching, like the, the business of coaching, but it's like to get you your first $2,000. And I had already made $2,000, but I was just really curious about the fundamentals. And she was like an expert, um, like pop-up department store, like mop saleswoman, and had been like the best doing that yeah. and got into coaching and is really amazing at sales. So she teaches the consultation process really well. Yeah. And those were skills that I just found, like it's the fundamentals. And out of all the programs, like I've done Y Combinator Startup School, Marie Forleo's B School. Um, I don't know if to this day I've done B School straight through. It's like the start stop. And, you know, there's so much great content, but it may not all be relevant at one time. Um, Tracy Lit Mind Magic, really powerful mindset work. And she's local to South Florida. I highly would recommend her work. Um, you know, the Tony Robbins circuit. Yeah. Like trying to think of what else. I feel like there's more, but um, those talk would be. About, I don't know if you want to like name it, but I would love to talk about your accelerator program. Oh yeah, yeah, and I, I'm happy to name it her incubator. They're out of New York and digital. It's her digital accelerator, and um, they're teaching you the pitch process. And so this is a great point. It's like really early on, and my attorney actually asked me this: Are you startup or are you a small business? And it was the first time someone had asked me that. And I'm like, uh, 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 I don't know, you know? And I, there was something like in my blood, it's like, I know I'm a startup, but the more I learn about the startup scene, I'm like, I, that can't be me. Like, I'm not good enough to be a startup. And we have all the data to support that. Yeah, yeah. And so at the time I'm operating more like a small business, but I'm like, but I really want to be a startup, but I, you know, who am I? I can't, and I'm a girl, like whatever right. the story is. Right. And so her incubator. And I will say about fundraising, like you want to have some traction before you're funding or else you may just be taking more time than you need to. Like if you can really gritty get traction and get funding versus just getting funding where you're still going to need to get traction anyway, there's ways to do both. But that was just something that I learned is like the funding will come at some point, but I need to keep working <laughs> and I need to keep the goals are still the, the goals and the her incubator program, two things that were extremely powerful from that experience. One was how afraid I was of like being seen and like owning that I'm a startup. Yeah. Like that really came up and that was a bit emotional. You may gather that I'm a bit of a deep emotional type sometimes. Uh, but in the other was just a very tight pitch process. And so we were pitching every week. We were having a mentor and I believe they've moved it to more of like an on-demand experience than what I had had, but it, it was really powerful. And going from that into the startup school ecosystem by Y Combinator, which is a free resource, uh, was, was very, very supportive. 
And, uh, and then also I would say just feeling really confident. Like I left that feeling like, oh, I got this and I can do this. And I haven't closed my round yet. And I'm like still navigating that, but I have zero doubt that I will. And I know that before then I was just very nervous and like insecure. Well, let's talk about the differentiation between startup and small business. Mm -hmm. Cause some people listening may have like that same exact question or has been, you know, would you say that to mark a startup would be just like the growth trajectory of the business is sort of like the differentiation. I think that's a big part of it. I think, I think I would say growth and as a part of that scale, like yeah, the growth right. and maybe that's implied with growth, but I definitely think scale. And I think of small businesses, like maybe being in a local market or just not that same potential, I guess. Like, I think a small business can become, you know, the startup size and like go that. And so it's going to be like a pace thing too, is how fast you want to do this. Maybe a um, small business is doing that over 20 years or 30 right, years. Right, right. And then a startup may do that in five to 10 years. Yeah. But I think that, I think a key there is the scalability. Mm -hmm. I think we always think of that startup to unicorn as being the ability to scale, the potential to scale, the market size, right? Like you know, what size of the market can you capture? Like that potential, mm -hmm. I think is defined a little bit differently than that small business. I just never really thought about it, but it's so funny though, the emotion attached to it that you're saying, because I think a lot of women in general, um, they don't think of themselves in the realm of startup because that piece of A, all that you say, but also like not even thinking, well, the statistics will reflect this back to us. The money's not for us, right? Right. The money's not for us for whatever reason, you know, the it's that's reserved for men or that's reserved for these brains from whatever like MIT that sell the idea. And it's it's I think that that's also perpetuating the problem, right? It's like, and we can talk about that's a whole other episode for a whole other time. But I think that that um, that question there of to take money or not to take money. I would love to dig into like your thought process on raising because we have your, your as your business is now, mm -hmm. right? You started off as like an individual coach and you're in this process and you have been for, this is a couple of years now, like that scaling process, right? Mm -hmm. So talk to me about how you've been navigating that. Yeah, I would say prior to like the last six months quite haphazardly. And in 2021, I had scaled on my own by bringing on coaches and it was like a hybrid coach sales role, very commission-based and it didn't work out in the way it needed to work out for it to work. And I learned a lot of hard, challenging lessons. And during that time I had done that her incubator. And I also had worked with someone that was a specialist in like scaling and this is probably when I got more serious with my attorney. So this question, and it's like this identity question, am I a startup or a small business? The, the next year then was me really deciphering that. And the way I was scaling with the coaches felt like more of a small business next move. Mm -hmm. So the way I'm thinking about it now is, first of all, 
is the market there to support this growth? Like really knowing my numbers, knowing say over the next eight to 10 years, putting together with the revenue numbers, what's the fundraising plan to support that? And just getting into my story. Like I've, I spend a lot of time in my head. I get a lot of very intuitive downloads. So it's like, great, <laughs> but can I connect the dots to whatever that is? And so I really had to connect the dots and know whether I have a dollar injected into my business or not, what's my marketing plan? What's my client acquisition? The dollars are gonna have this happen faster which is awesome, right? But you're also wanting to make sure things are working. And so there is a time right now where I haven't put a dollar into you know, building native tech, but I have tools and systems that I can be testing with that, that clients and, and members that I'm bringing on. The, the hugest turning point, it's hugest a word, we'll see. Um, <laughs> yeah, is uh, this defining moment. And I find this a lot in coaching. It's like, I've been through trauma. I've healed all this stuff. Look at how great my life is. Be like me, hire me. I'll show you how to be like me. And there's a lot in that. That's actually what they're paying for in coaching is to take your experience, make their life easier to go through those things because you're somewhat of an expert and now they don't have to go through the same challenges. But it's like me focused. It's, it's look at how great Linda is. And I always felt pretty uncomfortable on social even because of that. Like, I'm not going to be visible because why am I making this about me? And I couldn't identify that this is, was the issue till like over the past couple of months. And I started to be like, whoa, I'm building this technology for, you know, my market, <laughs> my potential market of millions of people. Like, what do they want? And so this obsession with the user, I call the member, was a huge turning point for me. So that really changed how I was looking at the business. And uh, and this- and you discover? What's been, what have you been well, getting? Well, I would say like, part of that is like this inspiration, like, yeah, I'm a startup because I want to help as many people as fast as I can. And like, it, it, the story then connects, like, yeah, we got to build the tech. Yeah, we got to open up the centers. Yeah, like, I can't wait for this to happen over 30 years, not because I can't wait, but I feel so connected to the problem that I'm solving, which yeah. I couldn't define for years. Yeah. You know, so the problem that I'm solving is the distortions and dysfunction that is from trauma and stress that people undergo preventing their well being. What's the solution, right? The Lila Life Collective and the Integrative Wellbeing Club through Lila Life. That that took me years to figure out, you know, yeah. and, and just the, the processes to support this. So it's like getting the fundamentals of problem and solution. Who who's your potential market? How can you scale to that market? How can I scale to that market over 10 years? And then you're backing out of it and saying, like, well, what do I got to do over the next three months? Okay, and what do I need to do today? And what are and the same goals that I probably would have as a small business, the same milestones, there it's still that order, right? You're making 5k a month recurring to make 10k a month recurring, to make 100k, but it's like how fast can I do that? And then can I leverage capital, other people's money to create win-wins to to grow this quicker and sooner? And so like circle back, it'd be cool to do a part B when I close my seed round. I'm asking for $2 million for my seed round. 
And how I'm approaching that too is like, I don't have time to spend six months on a fundraise. Like we need to make this as quick as possible. And meaning like when I'm approaching and I like pop into fundraising, like do the work that I can do and then like pop over 90% to running my business and where, where that's going to connect, where someone's like, oh, she has the traction I need. There's some milestones, like 10,000 a month recurring. I'm not there yet. That yeah. someone's like, oh, I've seen her go from zero to that. It's just that traction, but the momentum, you can't get the money and expect the money to give you the momentum. You better be fucking stoked about the momentum, yeah. your problem and solution and plan, and the money is going to catalyze that. Yeah. Okay. I want to touch back on this thing because this is something I really struggled with and almost still do now, mm-hmm. but I feel is something that you've experienced. In the market of, of business education, right? Mm-hmm. All these courses and all these things, there's a clear differentiator. There's like a differentiation between Marie Forleo's B, B school mm-hmm. and Y Combinator. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I feel like many of the resources that appeal to women in general, like that are kind of speaking to us and our unique perspective as just as being females, a lot of these resources, coaching, consulting programs are very focused on the solopreneur mm-hmm. or the that small business owner and not really speaking to this female founder. Mm-hmm. And so what ended up, what, what I've been navigating for years is sort of trying to take the pieces from the Marie Forleo's because I also was, I also was in B school mm-hmm. and a million other female, female business women, I guess, mm-hmm. that I follow that sort of have this ecosystem of solopreneurs, right? Mm-hmm. Kind mm-hmm. of like, I'm just going to teach you how to teach someone else to teach someone else. That whole kind of, I'm sorry, circle jerk a little bit that you oh, get the on. pyramid scheme. It feels a little, and I'm not, not a hater. Like everything's kind of a pyramid scheme. So like, right, I get right, it, you know, right. <laughs> but, but, but then separate that from, you know, the, the female founders that have those big visions that want to raise and all that is, I feel like from what I can see, and please like anyone listening to this, I'm dying for more resources, mm-hmm. but all of that does feel very male centric. Mm-hmm. Like it is kind of speaking to that archetype of a startup tech startup founder, mm-hmm. right? And I think sometimes it is it is difficult to navigate. For me, it, and it is an emotional journey. For me, since I started my business, I always had this big kind of distaste for this solopreneur kind of thing, because that's not what I wanted to identify myself as, right? I wanted to identify with this startup world. To me, that was exciting, right? The change the world kind of big vision, mm-hmm. um, where the other side is still kind of like a little bit of a smaller vista almost. And so have you kind of felt the same or is this, I don't know. Are you yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking about. And I would say there's a couple ways I want to approach this. One is like, who's showing you that it's possible this in the mindset world we call mere neurons so it's like how many women have you seen go ahead of you raise several rounds have a successful exit and go off into the sunset or do your next startup and do your next startup like how many of those have you seen and i have a real issue with the what is it saving anna the anna delvey netflix thing um, you know it's like she yeah. defrauded two hundred and fifty thousand dollars white collar crimes are predominantly male 
like yeah. I don't have the stat, but it's like this is a woman startup founder <laughs> like defrauding 250k yeah. from what I look at is like her fundraise. I don't know every single detail of the case, but it's like, are you kidding me? This is the this is like the hottest Netflix special. There's two percent of VC funding going to women. I mean, it just made me so sick to my stomach. So this mere neuron conversation of how many women have gone through the system and can show you and I that it's possible. There's well, starting to be Theranos even. Yeah, so, th exactly. It's like six movies made of this. Yeah, it's just like, you know, in that we have like the WeWorks and it's just like, oh, you know, and there's movies about him too. But the point is that let's have movies about these startup founders going from like a hundred K in debt to figuring it out, to successful rounds, to the exit, to the next business, to the next business. So the mirror neurons piece is a huge piece. I will say a lot of women may relate to having trauma, maybe even sexual trauma, where literally men may not feel safe to them. And so for me, I kept finding myself in these positions where I'm literally like shutting down and just feeling really unsafe. And so like, the conversations are with men, are with the partners, are with the, the funds, are with all these things. And if that's feeling unsafe, that's a problem. So that was some of the just healing work that I was really navigating and really came to light during her incubator of how unsafe it felt. And I started to notice this over the years. I was like, why am I so weird around like middle-aged white men? And I could just notice this like anxiety and it's because of the trauma I went through. Yeah. And so it could be hard to hear that. And this is my personal experience. Uh, but that was a really big aha moment. And I, the big distinction here is I'm reading these different books by middle-aged white men that happen to be like quite misogynist that I'm like feeling that same ping but the information is so rich and I need it. Like I need the information. And so I started to notice like how much I was limiting myself by being so afraid and having to really work through some of these fears and like taking personal responsibility includes taking personal responsibility for your healing that could be preventing you from accessing the infinite amount of resources that feel accessible because of some of those past issues. So that that's yeah. another huge piece of this. I, I agree. I have to tell you, like, and I'm not even I'm not even fundraising, right? But I'm in this world with a lot of founders in our in our realm are, and it, and it's something I, I'm such a champion for. But even me, and I have to say, like, I don't have any trauma to speak of. Mm -hmm. But when I've had, and again, I know several investors and we have lovely relationships and I'll go to lunches or to drinks or whatever. But I do feel mm -hmm. a uncomfortable kind of skeevy feeling just being in this position of a woman with this kind of archetype of the investor. Mm -hmm. And it's that situation. This is so, it is so, tough, but it's true. It's like, okay, they have something that maybe I would want mm -hmm. just the money. Mm -hmm which puts you in that kind of more vulnerable position. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's tons of stories, some of which I know you have, mm -hmm. of the, the investors in that position, they know that power position they have and they'll, and they'll, they'll use it. Mm -hmm. And, and I've had, and, and I know that, you know, not everyone's like this, but I've definitely been in situations where male investors of that that sort of archetype has been it's been spoken speaks has spoken to me very very kind of out of line and disrespectfully 
kind of all in this, I don't know if it's like a hee hee ha ha boys club, but there's just not a, that level of respect. And that makes it very uncomfortable. And so for women trying to raise, you're exactly right. It puts them in that, that position. And it, and of course, there's a lot of rhetoric around the idea of like, not all money is good money. You need to wait for the right investor, blah, 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 blah. But there, the scarcity around investment for women is not like a mindset thing. That's the thing that's so upsetting. It's not like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like your business is maybe, you know, your reality of your dream coming true or not based on you getting this funding. There's not like a sea of opportunities available there for women or traditionally underrepresented founders. So it's like you get in this icky situation where it's like, well, if you know, you got to do what you got to do, you smile, you nod, whatever you want to, keep that relationship crawl out of your skin. (laughs) I I would say though, like the mindset piece, what I would say is that it can be a mindset thing and it's going to be harder. So the possibility is there and it's going to be harder. Just meaning that like, if it takes this person 10 times, it may take you 100 times. And so the mindset piece is that unshakable belief that I'm going to close the round. I'm going to grow the company. I'm going to reach my milestones, like period, whether, whether I need funding or not. And I actually feel quite a bit of protection in the VC route because there is with some, maybe not every single one, but there's compliance, you know, there's some due diligence, like there's certain behaviors that maybe the partner or junior partner is exhibiting, but it's not just like them having all this control. And and for some it is, but I actually feel this barrier of like protection and safety going through an actual system where there's a portfolio, where they're de-risking, where they're looking at the numbers. Now, is there a piece of this that because I'm a woman makes it different? I'm sure, but like that's being a woman my whole life, you know, working in finance, all these things. You know, I remember in first grade racing the boys at recess, my husband teases me. He's like, well, just, there was no one fast at your school, but I was winning. I was beating everyone. Thanks, honey. Um, you know, but it, it's like that, that I think is the mindset piece and the, and the trick there. And like the, the, why this comes to mindset is the scarcity piece. You can get sucked into different roads and routes. If you're in the lack mindset saying this is the only only way. So like giving another person the power, like you, it, I actually think this is powerfully mindset to make sure your mindset's in check, or you may find yourself in really weird positions that you had zero interest in being with. And so, and oh, side note, like a lot of people, whether it's trauma or just like dysfunctional families, which a lot of people relate to, what tends to happen is there's major boundary issues. So if you're someone who's never had boundaries and now you find yourself in these positions and somebody that's navigating your lack of boundaries, like you can see why it's the perfect storm. It's a multifaceted problem. Uh, and, And certainly I agree with you, like the numbers don't lie, but I would just add that like it is possible. It may take more time and be harder. And like, that's why your mindset needs to be 10 X because you're going through this. And, and, and I'll add, and this is something I was learning through the incubator too. It's like, it doesn't matter male or woman or whatever, anything in between there is not whatever, you know, it's just a spectrum. Um, there is, it has to connect. It, It has to make sense. Your pitch, your plan. And so any of these stories that are distracting, I've been obsessed with this breakdown of dis 
traction, stopping your traction. If I am connected to what I'm doing and I'm connecting with that every day and I'm connecting with my why and I'm making sure my how makes sense and I'm checking out the story and the dots connecting, every time I'm doing that and practicing that, I'm practice pitching to myself every day. Like the conversation becomes more and more fluid. Would I give myself $2 million six months ago? Absolutely not. You know, so it's also being willing to think as an investor, you know, you're thinking as an investor, you're thinking as one of your member, you're asking yourself, like, what does it feel like to be on the other side? That's the second position, right? How I'm experiencing life is the first position. Me looking at you wondering, huh, what's Victoria thinking of this right now? That's the second position. And then the higher position is the third position, like looking at from both of our perspective. Right. But I, I think that range for people, they're often limited. And there's there's many reasons why. I do think like that tri- trauma, distortion, dysfunction is, is a part of it. But can you get out of the first position and like your stories and be able to have a broader scope and even ask yourself, like, how is my business pitch? How is this story landing, right, for other people? It's not about, and I see so many founders like, and then it's this, and then it's going to be to do this. And it's like, is anyone asking for any of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I actually, as you're talking, it makes me think so much about a is sort of like that that kind of dis that that compassionate sort of disconnection almost because I want to go back to this idea of lack because I mm-hmm. think that you know if you're sort of looking at yourself from different perspectives, looking at your story, looking at your plan putting yourself in the shoes of the investor or of the, or the customer. I think that there's this tendency, I'm sure I'm not the only one to be um, just coming from like a negative space, right? Mm -hmm. Coming from a place of not good enough or or insecurity and looking at all of it with that lens. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to really adopt this, like getting out of the lack mentality, Mm -hmm. right? And I love what you said about 10 Xing, like Mm -hmm. 10 Xing your mindset, right? Mm -hmm to kind of balance history a little bit, balance like reality a little bit, right? It's like, we need, let's go all the way in the other direction. This is actually something that I've been um, dealing with like just this week. It's sort of like, what are the things that I feel when I express like my bigger hopes and dreams and even putting them in my journal? I get, I get, so this is an interesting story. So I had, I went through this, self-made accelerator, which is Britt Morton, who's um, the one of, uh, of Britt and Co. Mm-hmm. So she has this accelerator and she also has a fund. And so she sent everyone in the program, this necklace that says self-made, mm-hmm. right? And I've had it for like a year, pretty much. And I, I tell you, like, I've been going through these cycles of like, I wear it and I'm like, okay, I can feel empowered, but, but a lot of times I wear it and I feel d- d- ashamed or right. Cause it's like self-made, like Oh, you're self-made. Are you, are you're not self-made yet? Are you like, are you that right? It's like, and what I, what I've been thinking of recently is like these examples of these outrageously successful entrepreneurs or celebrities or whatever that had to have the most audacious of goals and attitudes about themselves and what's what they're capable of. Mm -hmm. And by having that actually probably was a large catalyst or a lot of peace to them actually achieving it. But the weird, interesting thing is just like the emotions that come up when you say, yes, like I can do, I want that and I can have it, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's 
the millions of dollars in the fundraise or the millions of users that you have on the platform or whatever it is. But there's a level of audacity that you need to kind of be comfortable with and, and be proud of, right? I, I would definitely agree. And I, I think this, like it's the vision, right? Of expanding out saying, I'm gonna do this, but you're having to break that down and do it. And whatever is stopping you from taking the daily steps, that's a resistance. And so it's like, how as you're saying, you're looking at you know, what else is a part of this, uh, but your vision can be as big as you can get it to be. And I think that coming back to the mirror neuron piece, it's like, you're how if you didn't know like startup unicorns exist or that I could have five exits, would you want that? It's like, how could you want that? You don't even know that exists. So, you know, for a lot of women, probably especially in the solopreneur space, like, is that what they felt was their destiny? It could be because they respected someone so much and they're like, I want that. But they're seeing one version of what's possible and not seeing all these other versions of what's yeah. possible. Exactly. Exactly. And That's why I think that there's a lot of, and just in droves have, have women sort of come to this idea of like setting up this little operation for themselves because there's a lot of people doing it. And they're like, oh, I can replace my income. That's great. But it's like, out of all these women that are doing it, you know, it's like, how much bigger can the vision be? And, and this, I think the follow-up question is like, the I can replace my income. That's like safety. That's a need like check. Yes. Epic. And then, and then, and this is something I learned the hard way, right? It was like, I was doing the big vision, but not doing the basics. So mm -hmm. like stabilize, like get yourself, replace your income, please replace your income because yeah. the fight or flight mode from you not replacing your income will equal unclear lack of clarity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're talking about lack, let's investigate where there's a lack of clarity. Like, like, look at the lack within yourself that's, yeah. that's adding to this lack mindset because it's, it's all really connected. And uh, I want to just segue with that lack piece where, you know, the, the lack, like, let me really break down the lack. Okay. The money is the money there. Like what, that's what we're really talking about. Right. Is the money there. And it's like, well, the money's definitely there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, well, is the money there? with my potential members or users. It's like, well, did you define your market? Are those members there? Yeah. You know, and maybe there's the pricing discussion in there. But it's like, if you've done that work to explore that, which that's the intimacy piece, like being close to your business and the plan, you're gonna know that. Yeah. And then that's the mindset piece of like, lack, <laughs> like you're just going into something that's not even real. Yeah. They're there, you've defined your market. Yeah. And so it, that I would almost say, like, is it even mindset? It's like the discipline to connect to, you know, my 165 million Marys that yeah. are there. Like the lie is the lack. Yeah. And then we pivot to the, the venture capital or the fundraising. It's like, is there, which venture fund is writing the first check for C? Are they there? They're there. Sorry. Yeah. I'm serious, serious getting fired up with me. You know, <laughs> they're there. Yeah. So, okay. They're there. So then. I'm not going to get funded only 2% of women, but they're there. Yeah. So where, where's my focus in this? Yeah, and so it's yeah. like, where, where's these stories that we're telling ourselves? And uh, I just, you, you brought up the lack so we can segue back, but uh, I wanted well, to just touch on that. Well, I love that. And I think what, when, what you said before kind of struck me about the fear of success, mm -hmm. right? No, and I and I was thinking like, I kind of, I kind of don't like when people say that because it kind of sounds like really like who, but what I've seen 
what I, what I have experienced and what I've seen is for, for those of us that can hold that very big vision, mm -hmm. right? Okay, so I sort of have been the same way as you. I, I kind of went into like, I have these like, these audacious goals, mm -hmm. but it's like, you can't kind of get around the grind, right? Mm -hmm. The grind is kind of what no one wants to talk about. And I think that the grind is what you and I are in the thick of, mm -hmm. like the thick of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I've recently gotten this like quiet reserve of like, okay, if it's 10 years, if it's 20 years, like I will get there. Mm -hmm. These audacious goals will be met. But I also think like a lot of the fear of success is mm -hmm. also kind of the fear of failure that has to come on the on the road to success. Mm -hmm. so I love that. You're going to try that and it, it is going to fail. Like mm -hmm. it's not going to be good. That launch is going to be bad. That campaign's not going to work. You're going to fuck up the ads. You're going to lose a lot of money. You're going to pay for a program that is, ends up being a waste. You're going to get the wrong graphic designer. Mm -hmm. But I think that what we don't tend to realize is that's like all par for the course. Like I was just, I was just, um, I was reading something yesterday and it's essentially about like the kill your darlings. Like do not be attached to any of it. Mm -hmm. Just like, is it, mo is it working? Is it not working? Then just like fucking move on. Mm -hmm. Or it's sort of like, that didn't work. Let's try the next thing and just keep pushing and keep pushing. And that's, I think the work that a lot of us aren't willing to do, or it's the work where we're like, oh, well, well I don't want to do that. And well, it's like, no matter how fast you go on the track, you have to do these things. There's literally no <laughs> jumping the line. Like you have to have the things fail and the things not working. And, and that's how, that's how you learn. I think anyone would say that, but I think that it's just often not spoken about, or we just see the result and we all feel so shitty that we're there with the same result. Well, and, and this is, I think an invitation, you know, if the fear of success, and I agree, like, I don't like that term, but I've had to admit that I have it. So I do, you know, and so I'm defining success, let's say as like my exit in eight years, right. And having like a multi-billion dollar company. So every second before that moment is not a success, which right. is actually right. like, that's truth. Like in, in just the context of what I've just said. Now the mindset invitation is that I'm choosing success every day on the way to that moment in eight years in the future. And like, to me, that commitment in those actions, that's integrity. That's like, that's such the unshakable belief. Like it is done and I'm going to have to do a fuckload of stuff to get there. And I'm doing it every day. And like coming back to the distraction is anything that's stopping my traction from that, whether it's mindset, whether it's actual distraction, social media, all the things, you know, low value, low priority things in my business, not making decisions, like being quick in the decisions, pivoting from the decisions that you made quick because you need to, like, it's all part of it. And so I like what you say too about the fear of failure on the way. It's like a complete reframe of, I have a choice here where every single second before my exit is a failure until that success moment. And oh, by the way, like I want to have more businesses. So then they all need to be unicorns too. Yeah. Cause now I have to live up to that standard. Like, let me just like, what am I doing? Like, I, and, and then it's like, what is the fear of success in that? It's this, it's the fear of the unfulfillment forever because I never let myself feel fulfilled along the journey because the fear of success is like 
I'll never reach it. Like mm -hmm. is the fear of success. It's not the fear of failure versus fear of success. It's like the fear of success that's unattainable because I can't embody that today in all the successes I'm having right now. So I think like that's the best <laughs> breakdown I've heard or given yeah. of what's happening. I'm just like, whoa, that's exactly what's happening. And like, it's, and that's a me job, like coming back to that integrity. It's that I'm choosing to celebrate myself and be in wholeness and worthiness for as little as I've done the days that I do literally zero or my 10 X productivity days that like, it's all a success and it's all leading to that moment at an undefined point in space and time. Yeah. That and feels I, powerful. I love that. That is so powerful because I mean, and this, what came up is that the exit, well, let's, let's think about it. Like the, the big exit is literally one moment in time. It's like, what's like the paperwork? Well, and I, I, I think too, like, you know, so you work 10 years for a, maybe a paperwork. It's like you put like the number right? couple meetings with your attorneys, right. like some press, right. you know, and, and the reality is like, I talk about some of this stuff, very few people in my life right now. And I'm like, open to continuing to grow that network. Like you're one of them, you know, yeah, yeah. like can speak this language. So already like I'm somewhat isolated and like incubated from my loved ones. Cause they're not talking about this They're As soon as I'm talking about this, they're like, you literally sound crazy. And I'm just like, they glaze over and they don't, yeah, it's just like what? And like, it, but it's such, such a different world. Like it literally sounds, I think like delusion, unless you have some kind of basic knowledge of this and, and the startup world. So that like that isolation factor too, of like along the journey and all these pieces are like, truly, I think what it comes down to is, can I feel a hundred percent whole and worthy without kind of anything being right? <laughs> like, can I accept myself and like in this moment and like kind of the shit show of everything and like, keep doing better, keep tightening the feedback loop, keep making decisions a little faster. And I will say very practically, there's a lot of people that have adrenal fatigue, their nervous systems are shot. It, forget trauma, it's stress. You know, you may not resonate with trauma, but you may really resonate with stress. So your nervous system can't hold all these things that you're stepping into. And I think that's a really, really practical other side of this where it's like, okay, I get the mindset piece, but like, if you can't hold this because you're so taxed because of your stresses in life, you're, you have to handle that stuff and do that healing work, you know, that can be through different modalities that could be through maybe working with a coach or a healer it can be whatever it is for you, but you need to be able to, in your nervous system, hold this work and you may be able to, but you may not be able to for more than a year, two years, three years, right? The burnout, like what is burnout actually? Your system can't hold anymore. And so for me, like knowing that it's been a basically four year journey to get to this exact moment, thinking of leaving a seven year career in finance, doing a ton of healing work, going through a lot of transition, but like making room for so much mm -hmm. that, you know, for the next eight to 10 years, like I can grow my unicorn. Yeah. Like, I just know that. And it's like, I know I've gotten so intimate with myself. I know how to take care of myself. I know when I'm off, I know when I'm on, I know it works, I know it doesn't. I know it's changing, right? I'm re willing to reevaluate. I'm willing to be in that success framework to do it again, to do it again. And like, I don't think I've been able to tap into that energy until the past like yeah. month. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, Linda, we're so same, same, because I think that that, you know, when I was hearing it yesterday on another 
oh, another podcast, which is great, which I, I don't, well, it's called the startup something, the startup show. It's, okay. it's a, I don't know. It's great. Anyway, she was talking about how, um, she's talking about, about funders, she's talking about uh, investors and saying that like, you know, investors will like, you invest in the founder, right? Mm-hmm. And even if the business fails, a lot of investors will say like, no, even if the business fails, I would invest in that same founder again, because you know that they're going to get there because it's a, it is, it's a journey of keep, keep pushing. Like you'll keep re- going, <laughs> you keep and going. <laughs> and I think that the thing that is the most, like the biggest mind fuck of all mm-hmm. is the fact that the world that we live in, everything feels so instant. Mm-hmm. And what I started to uncover through like all of my brainwashing of like just education and and mindset work and all and really listening to founder stories is that like the quiet thing that's mentioned is like how many years how many years to build what like you know how long were they working to, before you know Amazon didn't just become Amazon mm-hmm. you hear the whole story all the iterations Netflix all the iterations like you know every even the big, you know, even Tony Robbins, I mean, like, because we talked about him before, but it's like, all successful people have very long journey. And I think the the thing that I have recently realized is that like, no amount of being up till one, two, three in the morning, mm-hmm. trying to go faster, that actually you can't, you can't go faster because the Tetris pieces in your mind, that actually changes the mindset, you can't really, you just have to keep like, subliminally feeding yourself the right stuff mm-hmm. you need to keep learning bit by bit about like how to get your cack down how do you set up your freaking how are these ads gonna work what's your whatever you need to keep learning and keep learning and keep learning and it's just it's that process and we get ourselves down we get down on ourselves because it's not like you know one year to a million users it's just it just isn't the reality, but sometimes for some reason, it feels like it is, you know? And it's like, what's the most important priority that's going to move me forward over the next 90 days today? Like you can answer that question, but what's the odds that you're going to do that thing today? And like the, all these other things, it's like, can you let yourself be in that intimacy with your business. So you're doing what's the next thing to do without being in all these other things that aren't actually the next thing to do. For me, that word, and it's been so powerful is precision and being willing to say like, where am I being precise with my time, with my energy, with my intention? And I was, you know, hearing all this like, oh, you're a perfectionist. And maybe, maybe it looks like that, but to convert perfect to precise is a whole new integrity with how I'm showing up with myself because I can just see with this precision and integrity with yourself is also grace because there is habits and patterns and reasons why you're maybe not staying like exactly on everything every day. Um, but to just be real with yourself, it's like looking at the truth of things, seeing it as it is. And all these stories, you know, the, the crunch base and like the growth and the this and the that, like we can read about other people's businesses. And I have to literally call myself out on this every day. Am I consuming or creating every day so many times, but when I'm creating and if I'm in that integrity to my members, my users, to my potential investors, like it doesn't matter what this person did. It's me doing the next thing for my business. And so 
noticing like where this learning is even part of a distraction, you know, it's maybe like do it first, right? Be in that union with your business first and then learn something else. But a lot of the times you're learning something that's irrelevant to the highest priority item today. Yeah. So like, what are we doing? It's a distraction and it's actually causing like some major slowing in the momentum. Um, well, this and is, I think that goes back to like, to circle back on the whole bigger topic. Mm -hmm. I think that the process of gaining clarity mm -hmm. in your business, what your business is, mm -hmm. how you connect your why and your passion to your business, that clarity, you cannot outsource. Mm -hmm. no. And oftentimes, I mean, there's the more you focus on it, yeah, the faster you'll go. But as your daily life comes in and the daily day to day, mm -hmm. it's difficult to focus on the highest level all the time. But what I see as our journeys together and the other founders in our community, and even the stories that I hear from mentors and stuff is this, it is like peeling back the layers. Like in the inside is this little golden little onion that you'll put in your martini. That's the, that is it. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like the ye and it's years, mm -hmm. I believe of peeling back the onion, like really. And when you're so determined, like, you know, you're going to get to your destination, mm -hmm you can be at ease because you know you're going to get there. And that's the grace, right? But, and that's like the opposite of the lack, right? That's the abundance. Like you can sit back and make the decisions with clarity, knowing like I'm going to get there. And that's letting go of the control of how it's going to happen. You know, I think back to four years ago when I'm looking to sign a lease on my first wellness space and I look, oh my gosh, and this was a story. I still haven't done it yet. I still haven't done it yet. And it's like, yeah, I've created a strategy to start digital, to get to a certain point, to open the first location, to scale. Like, thank God I haven't opened yet. And yeah. the level of clarity and like discipline to even get to that point and be taking the steps of like being out in the marketplace, having that brand awareness, growing the brand, clarifying the messaging. And now I can talk about the business and people hear Oh, stress and trauma. Oh, tools and practices. Oh, well-being. And it's like, yeah, like I need that. Oh, that's a really interesting higher perspective to approach life and business. Like it's, it's very clear, but like it, it's this refining and being willing to refine. And there's times where I've literally like just started over when it was just more refining and more testing and more, you know, I ran all my metrics yesterday for every single metric I could pull for the whole month of, of May. And you get information from that, right? And then it's like making the actions based off of that information. And there's going to be more metrics and there's going to be new data. And I'm going to have teams running that for me. But it's like whatever, you know, it's like staying close to all the things in your business. I can't wait to outsource as much as I can outsource. But right now I need to be doing it. And why do I need to be doing it? It connects to the whole story, to the bigger picture. And if I'm not doing it, these are the kinks that fundamentally, if these get fucked up, we either don't get to the bigger picture or we're going in a way different direction. And like letting the market help support the direction. Like what do people actually need? My idea, and I this hit me really hard when I made that shift to being member focused. It's like, my ideas are really awesome and they're going to be amazing. Yeah, like, yeah. and if it's not landing or we need to make some tweaks so that we're doing more business and supporting more people, like we're going to do it. Right. And like being, and I think that's this balance point where it's like being clear on the vision, being committed to it, what it feels like all the things during the ship. And also like 
ebbing, flowing, evolving, pivoting with what the market, who your clients need. And mm -hmm. that's a dance in itself. And it's like, you almost like you, it's almost in the head. Like I haven't started yet. Like I'll start when I, you know, when I get my $2 million, it's like, no, I have started yeah. <laughs> more yeah. than started yeah. and it's keep going and, and keep going with that most precise action today to move the business forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think like a tactical thing, and this is just reminding me, like the, I think that one of the things that is the toughest is to, once you've gotten that clarity, just to keep it like front and center, mm -hmm. like every day, ask yourself that question. And I know like there's so many notebooks and so many like hidden vision boards, like it right now in my vision, or actually I have everything pasted right there and I don't look at it. And, and then you see like the end of the week is like, oh, how many, because I think that there's for, you know, everyone says like, okay, working on your business for, versus working on your business, right? Mm -hmm. In and on. But no one goes the next step to say, well, why do we do that? We do that because usually the working on is like what fucking feeds you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, right? The working and, in. Yeah, sorry, working in, right, yeah. exactly. Working in it, right? It's like, you know, whether it's, the, the clients you have today or the user that you have in the second or customer service or whatever, the mm -hmm. shipment didn't come in. Those are the things that actually make them, the, whatever little money it may be, actually flow. Mm -hmm. And so of course you get distracted with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's so many people that say, oh, well, you set time in your calendar and this and that. Okay. But you need to literally in a very, like subconsciously every single day with a lot of discipline, mm -hmm. just keep that at the forefront of your mind. You'll find the time, you'll make it a priority, but it's like, it needs to be there. And th these are like some little commitments. Like th I'll give you a couple examples of how I apply this specifically. Like by 7 a.m., I will have meditated. This ends at 7 a.m. I'm shifting to the next thing. Yeah. And so if I want to do a two hour meditation, sounds crazy, or a three minute, it's ending at seven. So like, this is a boundary. It's like creating these motivating boundaries. I'm the worst with time. So I have to, I, I like to be free with my creation. I like to be free with my time. So some time boundaries can be hard for me, but having a few, the other piece is what do I do first? So the first thing I'm doing before I'm doing anything else every morning is meditating, no matter what, if it's three minutes or two hours with the side effect of like bathroom, maybe the dog has to go out. I'm on the mat. I'm not checking my phone every day. Okay. That same discipline, then my 90 day, like what's happening with my 10 year vision that literally says the number of members at which I've scaled to plus my number of, of, of facilities, like these two, I'm starting my day looking at this and then asking like, what's in the highest value and I can add to the list of what needs to be done. And then I'm doing that. But like, that's, these are these small little like, and I'm going to work on my business today. I'm going to put out fires today, but I'm going to do that first because I guarantee, even if it takes me five minutes, that doing that one thing, it's not when they say the one thing, it's not because you're going to only do one thing. You're going to still yeah. do a thousand things, yeah, yeah. but you're going to have done the one thing that's connecting to the long term, the big picture. And yeah. that, that same level of discipline, it's like every night at eight, the phone is, I'm taking a shower and I'm putting the phone down. 
Like there's just these guideposts that I can work within. And does that mean that I wasn't up last night until 10 20 sending my last email and looking at the phone? I did that yesterday. Right. But every day I have a timer on and I would say 80% of the time I'm doing that. What was I doing before that? I was doing it 0% of the time. And so I had all this dysfunction. And so 80% is way better than the 0%. And it doesn't need to be perfect. It's not going to be. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And you know, that just reminds me because like every morning I sit down to the computer and I go, cause I, I, all of my clients, we have different Slack channels, mm -hmm. right? And so I try not to be an email, but it's like every day I like, I, the, as the cursor's going to the Slack to click in, I'm like, don't do it. That's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Like try to get your first part. And, and it's like, it's hard. It's a, it's addictive. And especially when you're again working on those those immediate things mm -hmm. give you that like adrenaline and that, mm -hmm. and that it's it's it, that, deep deep yeah. work versus shallow work yeah. deep work oh. versus shallow work like the deep work is the commodity like many people can't do deep work they will never be able to do deep work because of the neurology they've allowed themselves to be a part of and you have a chance like doesn't matter what you've done before this moment like if you have that awareness and you're committed like whoa yeah what's the deal you're facing the facts it's like i'm doing a lot of shallow work if you're not even willing to admit that like this never changes but there's like becomes this aim and and for me that just is this constant reality check and like truth of am i lying to myself <laughs> like what you know it's like if i know that my mental health is dependent on me being outside at least a half hour every day and i'm not doing that and i'm feeling a little crazy and like i know i need to do that like why wouldn't i do that it, it, yeah. it is just like I just get so, and I, maybe it's still, I feel so blessed to have clients still and like be this beautiful mirror with each other. But if I'm not working on this stuff, I feel like I'm just right. Like, no, it's what am I doing? So, and, and it, and again, I think that belief piece of like, this is happening, whatever that vision is. And you just keep doing that. And there, there's so much here. I feel like Victoria, like we could unpack each piece of this podcast over a podcast. I know. I love it because I, I love our conversation. So, well, well, let's like close things now. Mm -hmm. Just tell everyone where they can find you. Do you have any fun resources you can share with anyone? Absolutely. So definitely get to lelalife.co. There's a 22 day free trial for anyone that signs up for the Lila Life Collective. And these are tools and practices on demand to support your well-being, mindset and prosperity in life and business. So things like guided visualization, meditation. We're adding other content to it all the time from our aligned partners and myself, and uh, we will be onboarding coaches too. So it's a very exciting time. Take advantage of that free trial and it just keep getting better. My obsession is how can I make this membership as epic as possible? And like the brand, someone told me yesterday, you are sunshine. <laughs> you know, she's like, I just feel that when I go on your website and I'm like, okay, cool, I guess, you know, so if you want some sunshine, there's a lot of resources in there, including a whole bonus. It's called the life expanded program. And I recorded that about four years ago. And it's like, if you feel stuck, if you feel shook, if you feel plateaued, whatever you're feeling that you need a little something more, check that out. And, uh, yeah, I'll put, I'll give a free resource, a surprise that will be uh, helpful for people. That's more specific to the business planning here around breaking down those goals and doing some reviews. So I'll, I'll cool. be able to share that with you. And, and where do you hang out on social? 
All right. You can find me on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'm getting into some tweets um, with different people. That's fun. So please tweet with me. Twitter, is that what that is? And yeah, yeah. those would be the best is Instagram and Twitter. I'm at with Linda Andrews uh, and at lelalife.co. And we have a lot of information coming out on Instagram over the next couple months. So if you already listened to it, like still go check out Instagram. Uh, it's just breaking down practically in really short bits, these tools. So you can start using them right away. And I really encourage, like there was a lot that came up in this conversation. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this, your head may be spinning a little bit, let yourself connect your feet to the ground. Uh, it can be like medicine, right? You're getting exactly what you need. And if there's some word, if there's something that stood out, if you need to go back, there's a reason why that's sticking out for you. And that, again, that's that intimacy, that intuition, the more you can work that muscle, the more you're going to keep soaring. So I leave our, our listeners with that. Thank you so much, Linda. Thank you. You got it. Thank you, Victoria. You did it. You made it to the end of the episodes. Thanks for sticking around with me and listening all the way to the end. I really appreciate you as an audience member and I hope that you found this helpful if you did like this episode it would mean so so much to me if you subscribed if you rate and review this podcast it helps other people know that this podcast has something worth saying it also would be super awesome if you could take a screenshot and share on Instagram and tag me at ugly ventures u-g-l-i ventures v-e-n-t-u-r-e-s I am always so appreciative to hear from you and I hope to see you back here next week on the Marketing for Startups podcast.